Welcome to the HSP podcast. I'm Julie Bielent, founder of Sensitive Empowerment and an HSP psychotherapist specializing in high sensitivity. I was honored to be asked to speak at the Empaths, Sensitives, and Intuitives Summit put on by the Shift Network. I was interviewed by David Gandelman, where we talked about a key to flourishing, which is nurturing and valuing sensitivity. For more information about that summit, you can see the show notes. And if you would like to watch the video, you can also find that on the HSP blog. That's hspblog.com. And if you would like to hear more episodes on the HSP podcast, you can go to hsppodcast.com. We love hearing from you in the show notes, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, friends. Welcome to this special session where we're going to be talking about highly sensitive people, and we have an expert in that field with us, Julie Bieland is a psychotherapist, an author, and founder of Sensitive Empowerment. She's dedicated to raising awareness about the exceptional value of being sensitive, which if you're here with us, you most likely are. Her diverse range of resources, including the Sensitive Empowerment community, community, which we'll talk about later, the HSP podcast, and the HSP blog, all provide essential education and her courses have been proven to be effective in improving mental health, physical health, and overall wellness. So it is so great to have you here, Julie, and to get to talk to an HSP expert. Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Can we start off by maybe you just helping us understand what it means to be a highly sensitive person? And how do I know if I am? Maybe I am and haven't realized it yet. <laughs> yes. Well, it's about 20 to 30 percent of the population has this innate trait, and it's in humans and animals, actually, quite well researched by now. And there are some quizzes you can take if you're really interested um, in, in checking that out. But in general, you're probably somebody who's really genuine and kind and you might get overwhelmed in crowds. You might feel some sensitivity around you know, loud noises or bright lights. Maybe you need more downtime than a lot of people around you. So we really take in a lot of information in our brain as sensitive people. It's kind of like having a supercomputer brain. So we're really downloading a lot of information all the time. We can read micro expressions that most people can't. We can read the language of energy more than most people. And it's it's just a fascinating, incredible trait, really. And just like a supercomputer, you, you need to rest <laughs> to, to take in everything that you're downloading and processing. And... I'm assuming you're a highly sensitive person. How did you find out that you were? And what was your journey in learning how to manage being sensitive? Yes, well, I was always really sensitive as a child. And like a lot of sensitive people felt misunderstood, felt like, um, you know, like it was hard to fit in in a way. And um, 
very challenged by my sensitivity in general. And so as I started to research, I learned about this trait um, when I was actually in graduate school for psychology. And um, it was just profound to learn about it. And at that time, there weren't very many people that were talking about this trait yet. And it became my mission to educate. And uh, the more I started to work with highly sensitive people, it just became apparent how incredibly special they are. And that if we are given some tools to manage our sensitivity and the challenges of sensitivity don't come from something being wrong with sensitivity. They come from the fact that the world is not set up for us and our nervous systems. So that's an important uh, distinction because in fact, we have research that shows that sensitive children raised with the right kinds of support actually excel even more than those without the trait of sensitivity. And the flip is also um, there where if you're not given the right kinds of support, you tend to be more challenged with anxiety. For example, a lot of people with anxiety do have this trait and that has a lot more to do with sensory overload, uh, which is really fascinating to learn about. And how do we start to assess uh, ourselves. So you mentioned earlier there was a quiz. Maybe you can point us in the direction of a good quiz or two. And when we do eventually assess ourselves and find out, okay, I am a highly sensitive person, what would be a first few of those steps to deal with that? Yes, I actually have a quiz on my website and you can even see if you're at the highest level of sensitivity like I am, I call you an HSP empath. And um, one of the, I found that in my many years of working with this trait, that there, there's really three steps that I recommend when you learn that you are a highly sensitive person, or maybe you have somebody in your life who is, um, that the very first step is really learning everything you can about the trait. I mean, it is life-changing to understand it. You'll understand yourself in a whole new way. And I have a lot of resources, a lot of free resources on my website too about education of this trait. And then the second part of that is to learn tools. Um, and that really has a lot to do with how do we balance a sensitive nervous system? It, it's really also about changing some of our mindset about what we've been taught. You know, this is a society often of go, go, go and do, do, do. And, um, and we, a lot of, People come from the background where they feel guilty to take rest. It's hard to set boundaries, things like that. We tend to be really giving people. Um, so learning how to really practice the types of self-care that will balance your nervous system. And then that third step is to spend time with other sensitive people. That is really normalizing and validating. You'll have a lot of aha moments that are like, you know, wow, this is not just me that experiences the world like this. And suddenly you start to realize like, wait a minute, there isn't something wrong with me. It's just that we experience the world differently. And that's why I started my sensitive empowerment community so we could be together. And it's really powerful to, to do that. Thank you for that. I wanna ask you about the community before we get there. Maybe we could dive a bit deeper into something you just said. You said there are HSP empaths. So the, Clearly, there's some kind of distinction difference between an HSP and an empath, but then they could come together. You said you are one. Uh, as you're speaking, I'm now wondering if I'm one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to have to take the quiz. 
what is uh can you go a little bit deeper into what an HSP empath is and and then also what the difference between an empath and an HSP is? Yeah, well, I like to distinguish the fact that there is a lot of research around the trait of high sensitivity. It's called sensory processing sensitivity. It's not a disorder, but it's an innate trait. Um, and there's less research around empaths. So this is really coming from what I believe, what I've experienced, what I, how I view empaths. Uh, and I think of um, sensitivity as being on a scale. And the higher up you are on, a, on that scale of sensitivity, you're, um, you're even more in tune with energy. You're more sensitive to your environment. You absorb the emotions of others more. Um, it's kind of like having the volume turned up in life. And, um, and I also suggest like um, for males that take the sensitivity quiz, Think about how you were early in life, maybe before society told you sensitivity um, was wrong in some way. And we really want to make sure that we're, I mean, a big part of my work is, is helping spread the message of that there's so much value that we really need sensitive people in the world. And in fact, it's a trait that exists for a reason because the, it's a part of the survival of the population to have people that are, um, very aware of their environment and their, um, you know, we really care about others and care about the world. Why do you say that it's uh, so important for humanity to to have HSPs? C can we go a little bit deeper into that? Like, what is maybe the evolutionary purpose, or what have you noticed that they really bring to the table? Yeah, I mean, it. we have this depth of processing that allows us to see things that are outside the box. We're able to pick up on patterns. We're able to really understand. We can be in a room, especially if you're an HSP empath, you can be in a room with people and, and kind of know exactly what they need. Um, it's been very helpful as a, a psychotherapist because I often can you know, it's almost like being able to enter into someone and really understand them on a deep level, often before they even understand themselves. And if we think about this, like in the animal population, for example, sometimes it's easier for people to imagine that um, if there was a deer, for example, that was in a herd and the sensitive deer would be the first one that would be able to pick up on danger. Like there's, you know, there's a lion around the corner. It's the sensitive deer that's gonna notice that first. And the same, if you go back into the days where we were living in, you know, on, on land, when there was a lot of threats, it, was, it would have been the sensitive people that would have known like, this is a good area to, to be and this one isn't. You know, this is an area where we can find food and mates and uh, have less danger because there's an awareness. Um, and it's, you know, if we think about um, a doctor or medical mental health professional, for example, having this trait, we have a level of awareness that is more than 70 to 80% of the population. So I certainly would want to have a medical professional who has this trait <laughs> because, um, and, and, and it's like we, we really have, um, we pick up on a lot of detail and we really want to get things done right. We care a lot. Um, so you'll usually see the, the highly sensitive person is the one who uh, a lot of people count on at work um, and who is an incredibly valuable. In fact, some of the research shows that HSPs 
uh, are rated highest by supervisors. Um, but we also see a lot of burnout <laughs> because we're so giving. So we have to make sure we're taking care of ourselves in the process. So the downside of being an HSP or one of them is burnout. What are a couple of the other downsides if somebody who is highly sensitive doesn't recognize it or learn how to manage it? Yeah, we see a lot of um, mental health challenges, anxiety, depression, um, and oftentimes uh, constant burnout, constant depletion can turn into chronic health conditions. So we see autoimmune issues, we see um, chronic headaches, chronic digestive issues. And what is so fascinating though, is that when someone starts to learn about the trait and take care of themselves in the right kinds of ways, those challenges actually start to reduce. I mean, I've heard of HSPs who, for example, they have tons of food sensitivities and gluten intolerance and all kinds of stuff. And as they started to balance their nervous system, all of that went away. I mean, it's panic attacks. I mean, it's incredible what um, what can improve once you start using the tools. Oh, yeah, that sounds amazing because I've had gluten intolerances before and all of that stuff, food sensitivities, and I've always been super sensitive to energy and noticing maybe I would draw other people's feelings into my stomach. And then, yes, that would make me go, and then everything would hurt. So I'm, <laughs> I really resonate with that one. And I'm sure a lot of other folks watching do as well. So not only can you heal your gut through all the supplements and medicines, but you might even be able to do some healing by recognizing you're sensitive and managing it in a better way. This might be a bit of a tangent, but have you ever read the book when you were a kid, The Giver? Uh, we all had to read it as kids in school. And then they came out with a film. And uh, well, first of all, have you ever seen that one or, or read the book? Probably. <laughs> it was a while ago, though. Well, if you get a chance, watch the movie. Uh, I don't know where it is these days, Netflix or somewhere. But it's just an incredible depiction of being highly sensitive, being empathic. There's a society where... Uh, there's really not feelings. Everything is kind of in black and white. Everything is very structured and efficient. Everyone's given a job. But there's one person in the society that is the, the receiver of memory. And so they sit and feel all the pain, all the experiences, all the pleasure that society has recorded in the past, but that was too dangerous for us humans to keep continuing on with. So there's one person that's highly sensitive that gets to have all the feelings <laughs> and they're put in kind of a bubble away from everyone else. And they're the rememberer of what it's like to be fully human. And if you haven't seen this movie, it's just one of my favorite, favorite films ever. Uh, anyway, so as you were talking about being a sensitive person, being an empath, it really made me think of that and the value value that somebody who is sensitive can bring to society. You actually made me think of something when you were saying that, that um, we do get to also experience more joy and more beauty. And that's you know, why we often see a lot of incredible artists and musicians and creators and innovators uh, have this trait. I mean, when we look at a sunset, <laughs> it's like a you know, magnificent masterpiece in the sky and we can really connect deeply to nature and it's part of our medicine 
uh, as sensitive people, I believe, and, I, and I've stated this before, that spending time in nature is a medical necessity for sensitive people. It is the highest level of medicine we can receive to be at our, at our highest level of wellness. Um, we tend to be sensitive to medications. And I always say that any of your medical mental health professionals need to understand this trait um, be, and make sure that anybody diagnosing you understands this trait because we do see a lot of misdiagnosis. Mm, that's probably why I live in the mountains in Colorado and feel best here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. <laughs> Yeah. So, so could we go a bit into HSPs in relationships? Um, what it's like being an HSP in relationships, getting overwhelmed in relationships, how to manage being sensitive in relationships. I'm sure you've dealt a lot with that in your uh, therapy practice and with your students and clients. Yes, absolutely. Well, there's, there's the, um, the parts about it that are really gifts are that we can really be in tune with our partners and our families, really know their needs, you know, as parents, as partners, friends. Um, and that's such a beautiful thing. And um, some of the downsides, though, is that we tend to be so giving that we often it means that we're giving up our own needs. And I, I see a lot of people come to me in their midlife, for example, and they're just sort of empty shells because they've been giving, 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 and they've given up their needs in the process. So it's just such an important piece that you have to have your downtime, you need to have your daily alone time, and having people in your life understand that. Like I have a, a running thing with my friends that I have about a two hour social limit at times. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like they know, okay, Julie needs to go have some downtime now. And it just becomes, you know, part of our experience together. And my sensitive friends said the same thing. Like we have a open invitation to cancel uh, without any kind of personal feelings being hurt because it all is about wellness and how do we, you know, how do we live at our highest level? That's great. <laughs> uh, <it's> like, uh, <laughs> just so you know, I may not show up tonight if I'm feeling <laughs> too sensitive. Uh, that brings up the topic of boundaries, right? So when, it, what does a highly sensitive person do how can they learn to put up better boundaries if, for example, they do have poor boundaries because they're overgivers and they get drained too quickly? Yeah, I mean, understanding it from a mindset perspective is important that the healthiest relationships have boundaries and the most unhealthy relationships don't. Um, and without boundaries, resentment grows because you end up giving more than you have. Um, and resentment is really the most um, most prominent issue with relationships having problems. So ultimately, understanding that is part of it. You know, we we're reading people, so it feels so hard for us to say no to someone if we think we're going to disappoint them, and we think, oh, that disappointment is so much that I'm just going to give up my own needs so that I don't have to experience their disappointment. But if we continually do that throughout our lives, it creates an unbalanced relationship in our friendships even. So there has to be balance for it to be healthy and, and for um, us to share our boundaries in ways that are calm and loving. Like we don't want to wait till we're in an argument with somebody because that's not when we're going to truly get heard. 
So practicing that, and I often say that it really helps HSPs to spend time in meditation and mindfulness because it has a way for us to learn how to redirect. Because if I'm paying attention to somebody's uh, disappointment from my boundary, then that's an external focus. And if I bring that into an internal focus, then it will be easier for me to go, you know what, this, I'm doing this for my wellness. And it is a part of how I will stay well. And it's a part of how this relationship will be healthy. And it takes practice. That's one of the reasons why it helps to be around other sensitive people, because it does take practice to set boundaries if we haven't before, to learn some of the language around what sounds, um, you know, a, a way to share and a way to advocate for what our needs are. And what I found to be most helpful is when you understand what your needs are and you know what your highest level of wellness is, it's easier then to share that and to advocate for those needs. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. Um, boundaries is a topic I think most people who are sensitive in one way or another struggle with. If you're if you have a big open heart or if you're very giving, I've definitely noticed I've had trouble with that on occasion. Yeah, just come on in, take whatever you want, give, 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 give. <laughs> <laughs> David needs a cookie. <laughs> Yeah, then we're completely de just deflated and, and uh, exhausted. Um, I, I think that practicing, um, working on self-compassion is such a big part of it. And it's so fascinating that HSPs tend to be so compassionate towards others, but less so towards themselves. They tend to be pretty hard on themselves by nature. I know for myself, I had to actually learn self-compassion. It's a brain training skill that you can develop. Um, and I had to learn that. And it is like, it, it just helps you with resiliency. So if you're experiencing that, oh my gosh, they're disappointed in my boundary, but I can go internal to self-compassion and really um, make sure I'm paying attention to what my needs are too. So that internal focus of self-compassion, it's really helpful to, um, and just about every aspect, it helps everything. It helps your recovery time. Um, and I cannot stress, stress it enough to, to practice that. Yeah, great advice. Can you share a story or two from your own uh, experience as a therapist, maybe with some clients uh, who've had some issues coming to grips with their HSP or an issue around their sensitivity that you help them realize and get through? I would love to just experience the world uh, of that through your eyes for a moment of, okay, someone came to you with this issue, they expressed it to you, and you guided them in a way that was successful. Can you just share a story or two that might be relevant to our conversation? Yeah, sure. I've actually had a couple of clients recently who um, came to me with that, you know, they're surrounded by extroverted, non-sensitive people in their family. And so they always had this sense of there, that there was something wrong with them and that they would, you know, push themselves to um, keep up with the extroverted non-sensitives and to the detriment of their own health. They are starting to have health issues, uh, panic attacks, things like that, where oftentimes that's when somebody starts to seek help is when things start going wrong, either mental health or physical health. 
and having one conversation. This is my favorite thing in working with HSPs because you you can even have them, you know, some of them have told me that they've been working years in therapy and they have one session where we're talking about sensitivity and they, they understand that I understand from their perspective. It is so profound to them that in that moment, you know, it, it is just completely life-changing and it is my favorite <laughs> moment. I mean, we've had um, HSPs in their 80s come join the community and they've been talking about how this is the first time that they learn to love themselves. I mean, how profound is that, that by learning about this, that they were able to find self-love for the first time in their 80s. That is incredible. And that's probably sooner than a lot of people who never, unfortunately never find it. So very cool that they even at that age that they do that. Tell us more about the sensitive empowerment community. Oh, it's my favorite place to be. We, uh, it's a global community, multi-generational, and it's not on social media. So it's really an alternative, a positive alternative to social media for sensitive people. We do, we actually record the HSP podcast there. We do live events together. We have meet and greets, the virtual meet and greets. Um, and we just share, you know, most people talk about how just, uh, incredible it is to be surrounded by kind-hearted, sensitive people because we do have very kind hearts and, you know, to be surrounded by them. And to me, it's a family. We create a family together. And so it's a sense of support and we get to share our lives together and it's really special. So how do people join? Where do, where do they find it? Are you meeting on Zoom? Yeah, they can join at sensitivecommunity.com and that's where you can join. So it's uh, it's on a private platform. We, we have it moderated so that it we really have the focus that it's empowered and positive because these days, sensitive, you know, social media is really a challenging place for sensitive people, can be pretty traumatic. So we have a, it's kind of like being able to be in a really safe space that, that is positive. Um, so that's that's why we have it off of social media. That's beautiful. And do you all ever meet in person? Yes. Yeah, so there's actually um, I love that because there's a you can actually see who is in your area. And we've had HSPs meet up and then they come and share photos. And they always talk about how it was like they they've known each other their whole lives. You know, it's just a, it's a special thing to be with other sensitive people. Yeah, that's really beautiful. <laughs> I love that. I can imagine being in a group like that for sure. Uh, where, you know, I grew up in New Jersey where it was a little bit more natural to be a, a bit aggressive. And I grew up playing ice hockey. So that was very aggressive. And I always had a sensitive, nerdy, soft side of me that didn't get valued or seen, I think, until I was a bit older and left and, and moved into other kinds of communities. And I realized, oh, man, I don't have to be this tough hockey playing dude all the time. <laughs> yeah, to get to show up as yourself in the world. And I think as sensitive people, we, we do like to be authentic. We like to be genuine and have deep, meaningful conversations and connections. And most of us don't really like small talk too much. We really like to dive into the depth with somebody um, and we share, you know, we share photos of sunsets and flowers and our pets and, you know, all the things that we love. Yeah, I, I would say my whole Instagram is cat videos and puppies being 
cute. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It brings so much happiness. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Maybe we could talk for a moment about the other end of the spectrum or, or not maybe not the other end of the spectrum, but there's also this kind of movement in society of giving everyone a trophy uh, where it's like, okay, even if you're not doing great or fully showing up, you're just fine the way you are. And then we get some folks who never really get through their fear or pain or struggle, and they just kind of hang back and say to themselves, oh, this is good enough because I I got the trophy for just participation. Um, where there is sometimes a, a need in life to step up and break through something and get through some fear or some stuckness. I've noticed that it, there's you know both sides of the spectrum in society and there are occasions where we're maybe too nurturing or too forgiving and people do need a push on occasion where is that line with a highly sensitive person are they do you never want to give them a push do you always want to give them as much space as possible or is there a kind of resilience training for hsps that's different than it might be for the rest of the folks Hmm, so many interesting layers in that. Yeah, you know, I think that when we, what really seems to naturally happen, and this is part of why I'm so passionate about this kind of work too, is that when you see an HSP step into their light, and that happens when they learn about the trait, they remove those layers of that something's not wrong with them, they remove those layers that, um, that allows them to really show up as themselves in the world, it is incredible what happens. I mean, it, it, to, to see what an HSP is capable of when they are taking care of themselves well, when they've changed the narration of their life to understand that there are so many gifts and sensitivity. I've seen a natural resilience come from that and a, and a natural um, way of doing things in the world that is helping others, but really in profound ways. And we do need HSPs and there should be an HSP in every meeting. <laughs> it should, I actually was interviewed once uh, and I loved that interview because they were talking about how the interviewer was not an HSP and he was sharing how he actually purposely met with his coworker after meetings to learn from her. What did she pick up in that meeting that he missed? And he saw the value in her. And I think that's what's really incredible is like when you can change um, to move into a space that you really value who you are and your sensitivity, what comes from that is incredible. And we need that. We need more people in the world stepping into their light. And we need more sensitive people stepping into leadership positions, places where decisions are made. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about that. <laughs> I love the idea of having the HSP in every meeting. I can imagine one in the Situation Room in the White House, and they're all like, we're going to do this military strike, and the HSP is like, well, let's talk about that for a moment. <laughs> yeah, they're going to see angles that others miss. They're going to they're going to see information that others miss. And that's what is so profound about it, that that needs to be 
Um, and, you know, companies need to look at how they gather that information. And HSP might not be the one to do well. Well, we know for sure they're not the ones that do well in meeting after meeting after meeting. And they might not be the one that jumps in with their ideas. So I always tell, um, you know, companies that give HSPs a chance to share their knowledge with you in different ways. Ask them how they want to share it. Do they want to do a follow-up email? Do they want to do a one-on-one? -on -one? Ask them what works for them because then you're going to get um, really important information and very that's going to be beneficial to everybody. So they might need to be prodded more a bit than other folks who just willingly share their point of view. Sometimes in meetings, it's the loudest person who gets heard. And that might not be the experience of an HSP. They might want to have more of a space created for that. And it's often the loudest person that becomes the CEO or the you know, political figure, somebody who yeah, takes up a lot of energetic room in a room. But I don't think studies show that those are actually the best leaders. It's uh, usually the ones with the EQ and the sensitivity that make better decisions. Yes, and collaborate better, gather information. They're really good at putting teams together because they know the strengths of each person. It's really incredible, the gifts that come out of this. Oh, it's so exciting. So I hope everyone takes uh, that quiz and assesses themselves. Are there a couple more uh, kind of pragmatic, practical tips that you can give HSPs to really get a little further down the path here of managing their energy in a healthy, grounded way. If if someone was, they took your quiz, they found out they were really highly sensitive, um, what would be a few tips to help them understand that energy and and use it in a, in a really useful way? Yeah, I like, I like HSPs to really think through, like if they had 100 points of energy for the day, where would they choose to put that energy? And where is most of it getting drained? And would you do choose that's where you want to drain it? So you're becoming more conscious of, you know, the energy that we have is precious and you're becoming more conscious of it. I would say learn about sensory overload. I have a free webinar about that too, because it's such an important part of this that you need to understand how your brain may be processing so much and it, and it may be overloaded. And just by doing simple things like closing your eyes a few minutes throughout the day, I always say HSPs, every time you go to the bathroom, which is several times throughout the day, Give yourself a chance to close your eyes, take a few moments of stillness, check in with yourself. You know, how am I doing? What do I need right now? Getting practice where you're paying attention to some of your needs, what, what, um, and, and giving sensory breaks, you know, like if I've had a really, um, busy day or or I'm even prepping for a busy day, I will want to give myself sensory breaks. That might mean I close my eyes, maybe I put an eye mask on, put earplugs in, maybe I'm even under a weighted blanket, um, things that are very soothing. Um, and I and I, you know, take time every day to be in nature in some way, every day to be alone for a while so that you're able to process everything that's been going on and get into that rest and restoration stage. And a, and a tip that I always like to give sensitive people, um, because we do have sometimes more activation in the amygdala part of our brain, which can create that fight flight activation more often, is a breath technique where you breathe in for the count of four, you hold for two, 
and you exhale for seven and you do that about five cycles. Now that long, slow exhale sends a message to your brain. I don't want you to send out adrenaline. <laughs> I don't want you to send out the alarm bells. I'm okay. So it's almost like having a, a calming button in your brain and practicing different kinds of calming techniques are really helpful. I love that. In for four seconds, hold for two, out for seven, five cycles. That's really, really great advice. I I, I like that. Uh, I've I've done some box breathing where it's kind of evenly four in, two, four out. But there is something for me that feels more natural to breathe out longer than to breathe in. So when you said that, that felt pretty comforting. It's a, And the long exhale is the most important part. So um, if you forget the numbers, just remember it's the long, slow exhale. Because when we're in fight flight activation, we do short, shallow breaths and it. That's where you put the, it brings the oxygen into your muscles. That's why you get tight. A lot of people get, you know, back pain when they're under a lot of stress. So it's a great thing. You can teach children, teens. Um, you, you can use it at any time <laughs> during dental procedures, any interviews, whatever. I love that. Uh, Julie, where can everyone find all of your work? Yes, you can go to sensitiveconnection.com and that's where you can find the HSP blog, HSP podcast. I've got tons of free resources and I even have um, letters that you can download to give to your doctor, your medical mental health professionals about the trait. I mean, it's it's very extensive what are on there. I have online courses. Um, like if you have anxiety, I recommend the brain training course. And then there's the HSP toolbox course. That's really good for teaching you daily skills, daily calming techniques and tools that we've been talking about. And of course, you can find the community there too. Very cool. Thank you. I think I even saw uh, Tara Brock, the meditation teacher, left you a really nice testimonial for that brain training course. So um, good on you for getting Tara in there and sharing. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, she's uh, wonderful. Yeah, she's a great teacher of mindfulness, Buddhism, compassion. If you haven't heard of her, she's a really lovely teacher. So before we finish, I want to be mindful of uh, of your time. Uh, now I want to go lay under a weighted blanket and put something over my eyes and be <laughs> sensitive nature sounds. You're making me want to feel all soft and go do that. So probably what I'll do after this. Thank you for that inspiration. <laughs> I just did a I just did an interview. Oh, oh, I need to go lay down. <laughs> More seriously, though, uh, after all your years of experience as a therapist and teacher, guide and researching HSPs. Uh, is there any any wisdom or insight that you want to leave us with that you've you've found very useful in your life and for your clients? Mm, mostly, I want to share the message that your sensitive self is beautiful and valuable in the world, and that we need you, and we need you to step into your light and love who you are because we love who you are. I love that. Thank you so so much. Julie, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks, everyone, for being here with us. And if you are highly sensitive, go take care of yourself if you need to. And thanks for sitting. Thank you, Julie. See you all soon. Be well. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it so other highly sensitive people 
can have the same resources that can help support some of the challenges that they may be having and help them truly flourish in the world so they can love who they are and share their beautiful gifts with the world. You can find more episodes, join my sensitive empowerment community, read articles on the HSP blog, and explore my courses for highly sensitive people to improve both mental and physical health and overall wellness. You can find everything at sensitiveconnection.com. Thank you, and I hope you're taking extra good care of your beautiful, sensitive self. Until next time. <laughs>